Fair play and fair value. It's what playing at William Hill is all about. William Hill. It's who you play with. Gamble responsibly. Zafonzo Davies, treble winner, and you're listening to Ranks FC. Rank squad and welcome to Ranks FC. Now we were planning on doing all sorts in this podcast, talking about icons, talking about the players who have rebirthed themselves this season. But as it seems, we are, of course, the most current pod on the market. And with the recent comments about Paul Pogba from Mina Raiola, we thought it was only right to take a deep dive into the love, the hate, the ups, the downs and the future of a man who divides opinion, perhaps like no other. My name is Jack Collins and I will be your host today. And I'm joined by Mr. Sam Tai. Hello, mate. Hello, mate. And Mr. Dean Jones. Hello, mate. I hope you're ready for an explosive one, boys. This week, Mino Raiola, Paul Pogba's agent, said, I can say that it's over for Paul Pogba at Manchester United. This three days after he's caught an absolute worldie to down West Ham at the weekend. Um, it seems like the drama continues, isn't it? This is the, this is the thing about this. And, and there's so many ups and downs and we're going to talk to various people today about Paul Pogba. Um, but I just wanted to start with you guys and, and kind of your love and hate relationship with, with the man. I'm going to start with Jamie Carragher's quote. Uh, this week he said, Get rid. I've been saying it for months. The most overrated player I've ever seen. Where is he going to go? Who will have him? Uh, which which seems harsh. <laughs> I mean, let's just get into it. Dean, ups and downs, but where are you on Paul Pogba? Well, I'm going to start with the thing I hate about Paul Pogba. And the thing I hate about him is that he's quite simply not the player we want him to be. He's a luxury footballer who is well above average in terms of talent, but he's not quite world-class. He's not quite there. And I've tried to work out why he's not there. Like during his time at United, like various times I've written about it, spoken about it. Like, what is the problem here? What's stopping Pogba from becoming a Ballon d'Or contender? At first I thought, well, weight of his price tag, maybe just struggling with that. Then it's like, well, maybe he's trying to figure out his best position. How does he fit into a formation? Like how do you unlock Pogba? Then you think, OK, maybe he's overthinking things. Maybe in the big games and big moments, he's just putting a bit too much thought in it rather than playing instinctively. And in the end, I was like, well, maybe he's just lacking internal motivation here to, to step up and just prove to us who he is. Basically, I've never put my finger on what it is. And what I really hate, to be honest, is that I've defended this guy on so many occasions, waiting for him to make that breakthrough and prove who he is because his natural ability is obvious. I remember I took my dad to a United game, I don't know if it was last season or the season before, and he hated Pogba. And I said to him, I was like, look, he's starting today, like for 20 minutes or so, like just watch Pogba, like don't worry about the rest of the game, like just watch him. And he, he was won over by it. Like when you focus on his traits and how good he is at finding space, at shielding the ball, all of these things, you start to appreciate him more. But I think one of his big downfalls, Pogba, is probably that he finds this game too easy at times. He can lose focus because the basic things just come so easily to him. And yeah, I just hate that Pogba is not the player that we all want him to be. He's never, he's never hit the heights he should have. He's, maybe he's not the player actually he thinks he is. I don't know. Pogba just hasn't become the player that he should be. I think that's incredibly harsh considering he's Why? won a world cup because if he has, he hit the heights he wanted to hit probably he's won the, he's won the biggest competition in world football. In the last four years, his, his performances have not hit the heights that he would expect him to be. No, there's no way you can say that. I think they have on an international stage. If, well, if it's I'm like, like five games across four years. I mean, they're the most important five games he'll potentially ever play. Sam, not for the people playing his contract. They're not. Well, perhaps not, but I'm not playing his contract. I'll throw it to you, Sam. I mean, and we've talked about this in, in depth in the past about the fact that you're looking at Paul Pogba when you watch him live and you see a different player to perhaps you see when you watch him on TV. 
Well, that's the thing I actually love about Pogba, to be honest with you. I hold players that have wowed me in the flesh in a very special place in my heart. Someone that I've watched, I've sat in the stadium and I've watched excel. There's always something a little extra to that. They'll stay with you. And watching Pogba in the flesh, as you know, Dean has just described by his dad being won over in the, over the course of 20 minutes of watching him live, it's a completely and utterly different experience to watching him on TV. It's, it's night and day, honestly. And when you get to watch him in the flesh, you get to see how he doesn't run, he sweeps or he glides. He doesn't tackle. He doesn't like thunder around. He kind of just, he's so smooth and all of his actions are so masterful. And the thing I like about Pogba, the thing I love about Pogba the most is that he's a genuine, like genuine joy to watch. He's a true aesthetic footballing beauty in his skill set, his long passing, the way he can burst through midfield. I just, I, can't, I, like, I could barely think of anybody that, has, uh, that I really sat there and just gone, man, that is incredible. There was, there was one, one example I often use, which is when I first watched Tongi and Dombele play live, and I just thought, oh my God. And the first time I ever saw Pogba play live was in uh, a cup final at Wembley against Southampton. And I just thought, this kid's unbelievable. Like, he's like four times as good as I thought he was. And I thought he was good on TV. And it's a strange one. I think that's actually... That's actually been the crux of a big issue for a lot of people when judging Pogba. And I don't mean to sound snobby in that. It's about whether or not you've really had the opportunity to sit in a stadium and watch him play because it's totally different. Yeah, I think this is it. I mean, there's there's an element, Dean, of, of what you were saying about the way that he's been put into this United setup. And I'll talk about that in a little while, but I'm going to go back to you for your for your flip side. What's the what's the love element of this? The thing I love about Pogba, to be honest, and I was, I was trying to think like, what is it that really stands out? And it's his dribbling style and how he acts in possession of the ball. I think it's one of his best traits and it only comes really when he's feeling confident. So he doesn't dribble in the traditional way you might expect an attacking midfielder to go at somebody one-on-one and, and get past them. But he has this intelligence and technique that he can, you know, appear between the lines and just make things happen. He, he shields the ball and has a balance that is pretty much an art form and he will sense when a defender is coming at him that they are slowing down and he uses their momentum to get past them and he then accelerates beyond them and that sense of awareness you can't teach that really like that is just something that you have and Pogba has it better than anybody else that I've seen Um, that frame that he has those long legs they all help him he looks so graceful as he gets past them the way that he's able to progress the ball like Sam says, it's so smooth. It's so smooth. And then he gets it's like a gazelle when he starts pushing the ball with the front of his foot and he's going at them. Probably could have improved his, his end product over the course of his time at United. You know, when he's getting at the defenders, like that final pass, that final shot. There have been times when it's been perfect. There have been times when it certainly hasn't. But he's opened up spaces for Juventus, for France, for Man United that in a way that other players... I just haven't seen do it, to be honest with you. Um, It's just his standout trait that I always go back to. Um, His protection of a football is just phenomenal. Yeah, I I think it's hard to disagree with that wherever you you look at it. However you think of Paul Pogba, if you you know watch him and and watch that kind of gracefulness, it's very it's very hard to dislike it, even. Even if you're you are someone that doesn't like you can you can watch him and be like, yeah, okay, he hasn't given everything I want him to do this week, but it's still very hard to be like, oh, that's not beautiful the way that he holds the ball, the way that he carries on. Sam, flip for you. What's the what's the downside? Uh, to be honest, this is probably not even necessarily about Pogba. It's about just a society and how I hate everybody because um, Pogba has become a bit of a lightning rod, hasn't he? And you can't really get through a proper conversation about Pogba without being invaded by some kind of like idiotic discourse from someplace. I mean, I can have a conversation with you boys about it um, and with our beloved patrons as well, but that's basically it. Um, any but anytime I ever try and have a conversation about Pogba on Twitter, it will be gate crashed probably by one person with a Pogba profile picture who will be adamant that he's the best player in the world. And then by somebody else who wades in who has, you know, subtle racist undertones and doesn't like his hair and calls him Jogba. And it's just, it's very, very, very difficult to just have just a normal conversation about him. And it's not his fault. He's just become like the front and centre of this ridiculous, ridiculous thing that we do in football, which is we blow things way out of proportion. 
right? And just everything's either amazing or terrible. And there's just like no real room in between to just talk about a player. Everything has to be super dramatic. And he's the epicenter of the most football, football's most dramatic discourse, really. He's either the best player alive or he's the worst or he's the biggest flop in history or he's the best passer ever to grace the game. No, he's just Paul Pogba. And like, he's one of my least favorite players to discuss, which is great because we're doing a whole podcast on it. <laughs> but that's sad because... I've just told you that he's one of the players that I hold in a special place in my heart because of the way he has made me feel when watching him play football in the flesh. I should love talking about this player. I've swooned for him, but I hate it because of the whole discourse around it. And it's just so, so difficult to have a sensible conversation about him. Mm. Yeah, I mean, here we, here we are. It's, the, it's a strange one, isn't it? And, and yesterday's announcement and all of those things plays into that, doesn't it? Because some people saying he should come out and, disown his agent and and look I, I think with being a Raiola and and the way that this all works there is an element that I don't think Paul Polk was in control of this I think there are elements behind the scenes that are going on outside of his control I mean Dean you know this world better than me but here's my take on Paul Pogba right yes Paul Pogba is a luxury player, right? And I think we've seen across the years where Paul Pogba has succeeded, he's played in midfields that allow him to be a luxury player. They, You look back to those Juventus days and he played in a three-man midfield, which included a rotating cast of the likes of Andrea Pirlo, of Claudio Marchisio, of Arturo Vidal, who was ready to do the running of 10 men. You know, Claudio Marchisio, who, who would put his body on the line every week. Pirlo, who could sit and dictate. And it allowed Pogba to be be the free man to to take on a lack of responsibility he wasn't brilliant every week in that Juventus team but what he was was a game changer on his day now you move for 105 million and suddenly you need to be a game changer every week and he is thrown into a midfield which does not have the component parts to allow him to thrive right he is suddenly put into a pivot and people will say oh but he played for a pivot in a pivot for France at the World Cup but that's not fair because actually you look at the way that France lined up in those games and the fact that they were dropping either a Blaise Matuidi for the most part or a Corentin Tolisso out onto the left wing to basically shuttle in and allow Pogba the space to do whatever he wanted in front of them with Antoine Griezmann kind of dovetailing with him. And suddenly you're looking at a very different team. This Manchester United side bought Pogba and went, right, there you go, be the best player in the world. And he was like, well, hang on. Like there's not the players around me here to be the best player in the world. There's not the best, the players around me here to change games consistently. Even if that was something he was doing before, before he was at Manchester United, which I don't think he was, you know, he was, he was an incredible player at Juventus who had off days and had games where he didn't influence them and had moments where people would probably be frustrated with him. But his overall output was obviously so good that people kind of just were like, okay, there's already other people who can cover that kind of when he has a bad day, there's enough shift to, to move it onwards. And also his kind of highlight reel and the fact he plays with such joy and such finesse and such grace allowed him to thrive. And we've never seen that at Manchester United. So I think you can look at Manchester United and think, you haven't put the component parts in place for Paul Pogba to thrive here. And I think mm. that he has to leave. I, I'm, I'm, I'm sad to say that because I don't think it will make Manchester United a better team to have no Paul Pogba. I don't think they're going to replace Paul Pogba with a player who can influence games on his day as much as Pogba can. But if they can use that money to buy a proper number six who will allow Bruno and Donny van der Beek to probably push forward into a kind of dual eights in midfield, then it will probably be a good thing for everyone. And this could end up being a transfer that benefits every single party, which is a weird one. And with that... <laughs> ran over um that's jack i think you've put it really well there mate the french stuff in particular the matuidi dropping in from the left was crucial again so you take a look at your juventus three and you've got marquisio and, and vidal doing the running and sometimes they played a diamond and they played roberto pereira or stefano storaro to play ahead of him to do his aggressive running ahead of him and then they'd also complement him around the sides as well which was what matuidi and pop uh, and kante were doing in the french setup so you've even said with the three match sometimes it was four sometimes they deployed an extra runner just to make sure that they could get the best out of Pogba on the ball. And that was what two smart managers have done. That was Conte and that was, well, Conte and Allegri. Um, and then it was Didier Deschamps for France. And these are two men that know how to get the best out of their star player in midfield. And these are two men that, that made the appropriate reservations to make sure that could happen. And 
I think you're also, I think you're right. Like you're never going to find, but Man United are not going to be able to replace Pogba with a like for like player in terms of quality. It's impossible. But there is the very clear argument that you've just made that if you took, Dean, I'm sure you can tell us in a moment how much he might cost here. But if you took the money for Pogba and invested it in someone like Dennis Zachariah from Mönchengladbach, you could actually solve almost all of your problems and get Donny van der Beek into the team. So I'm with you. I think he has to go, but it's not because I don't think Pogba is a good player. I just think this has absolutely run its course. And United's failings last summer and the summer before, and probably the winter before that, in terms of building a squad properly, getting those components in place, this is your opportunity to do it. All right, well, let's get a United perspective on this. And we've brought in an old friend of the podcast, one of the gold diggers. We've got Minna on to talk about her love for Pogba and what it means to United. Minna, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I know this must be a tricky time for you because you're a Pogba fan, but a United fan as well. And, you know, this has put everybody in a, in a hard situation. Yeah, it's no secret I'm a Pogba fan. I think the way that I see things, I'm always club first, player second kind of fan. And I've seen the likes of Beckham leave. I've seen players like Vidic, who I loved, Evra, I loved, Ronaldo, who won us a Champions League, a Premier League, took us to the Champions League the year after that, the final, to then go and leave to Real Madrid. I think Pogba leaving, if he does, which it seems very likely he will, it won't be you know the worst thing that's ever happened to this football club. I think I would have loved so much for things to play out a lot differently. I would have liked for him to come. I would have liked for him to be consistent. Because, come on, he's been here at United for nearly four years now. He's been here. Biggest achievement would probably be Europa League, FA Cup. But that was under systems that didn't work for him. It was under managers whose tactics did not work for him. And the club always stuck by him. And for his agent to come out and continuously, continuously make blasphemous comments it's not even it's not even irritating anymore to me it's just blasphemous I think Pogba has failed to kind of separate himself from his agent which is why a lot of fans and a lot of people are sort of disheartened I think him leaving it was going to happen in my opinion it should have happened a lot sooner if I was Pogba I wouldn't have waited for you know my agent to be showing me off to to other clubs like I'm, I'm a whore I wouldn't wait for, you know, fans to be abusing me after games in, in the stadium. I wouldn't have waited for that. Pogba should have left United the end of the 19th season when he was harassed. He was the only player to be abused by fans when we absolutely played ridiculously in our last, I think, three, four games season where we lost to Everton 4-0 away. We ended up drawing to teams that were already, already relegated. Um, and he was the only player that was singled out, that was harassed, that was abused. And if I was him, I would have hung up my boots then and said, you know what, I will force my way out of the club because now it's not only looking bad on him, but it also looks bad on the football team too. It's a whole kind of story now because, you know, just as there was this kind of positivity coming off the back of the West Ham game and just after he was, you know, obviously we've seen him have problems this year with COVID and, and with the, the effect that's had on him. And he's come out and spoke publicly about that. And, and it was just like the moment he scored that goal against West Ham, it was like, okay, that's good. We're starting to see a little bit more. And suddenly all of that has been absolutely smashed through the floor, right? Yeah. And I think it's also with the inconsistency of the playing time he's been getting. I think in the Premier League, he's, this was his third start of the season. Uh, for United the last two were not great performances so I was really hoping for him to finally start to turn it around we saw kind of glimpse of it against PSG when he, he nearly scored again so when he scored for West Ham I thought yep yeah, it's a new leaf overturned I can run my Pogba agendas again and again and again for the rest <laughs> of the season and then bam Monday this comes out and the timing is just so questionable it's so why why have you been such a big fan I mean and for anyone that doesn't follow you, like on social media, you have driven, like you've been the biggest supporter of Pogba I've ever seen in my life. Like his family haven't supported him like you've supported him. Um, <laughs> what is it about Pogba that you love so much? I think it's mainly to do with the way that he kind of, the way that I see it is pundits get angry when a player of a specific colour or a specific type of player kind of express themselves in other forms outside of football. And I really admire that. I really like the fact that he's outspoken when it comes to, you know, uh, social justice. He's very outspoken when it comes to fighting racism. And he's very outspoken just in terms of his personality. He likes to dance. He likes to have these different hair colours. He's very, like, blingy-blingy when it comes to earrings and watches and everything. And it's not what you would usually expect from a world-class footballer in the terms of, you know, Roy Keane, in the terms of Skulls, in the terms of the Nicky Butts and all of those kind of 
players that have played for Man United and have performed also is because of his potential. We've seen what he can do at Juve. We've seen what he can do at France. So I thought, well, if he's at Manchester United, then I'm pretty sure he'd be able to do that too. And I've really been pushing behind it, but I don't know how much more I can, I can be behind him at United. I, I really don't. I mean, is there a point that you think that the club have let him down? You know, they've, they've brought him in and, and we talked about this a little bit in this section just before and, and they brought him in as this kind of 100 million-esque superstar to, to be the focal point of midfield and then just failed to put players around him that would allow him and give him that platform to shine. Do you think he's been let down by the kind of you know, recruitment structures and things that have been put around in, in, the, in recent times at the club? Yeah, I think I really think he has. I think in his best season at United is when I would say Zlatan was playing up front when he had a, a number nine that he could you know, sling balls into up top. He had someone like Mkhitaryan playing next to him. I was hoping that this season would have been a bit more of what we would call unlocking Pogba because um, he would have had the likes of Bruno with him, you know, Rashford, Martial coming off to a, a great season. We would have had Cavani up top. I think United have failed to put great players around him. But then, you know, you look at the likes of City and Kevin De Bruyne and Kevin De Bruyne doesn't have world-class players around him. He's just got good players around him in a good system under Pep. So is it not? Is it also the fact that you know we failed to incorporate a system from a manager that works for the club? It could be that too. So I think it's pretty much a balance of both the system and the players that they've put around him. Yeah, it's a it's a difficult one, and I guess the kind of changing, chopping and changing managers hasn't helped, right? You know, you've seen KDB work under Pep for for four years now, and and it, you know it wasn't that it took time for him to to unlock because obviously he's always had that potential and that, and that kind of ability, but it was the elevation was quite quick under a new manager and suddenly we saw it explode and and there's been a lot of different systems and a lot of different philosophies put in place for for Popper at United and he hasn't necessarily bought into any of them because none of them necessarily played to to his strengths in the way that Juventus did or or France did or or any of those sides and it's also I think it's not just that I think it's the weight of responsibility that has been put on his shoulders because you see United we've been coming out of a slump I'll say since Alex Ferguson has left, we've been coming out of a slump. We saw little moments of delight when, you know, we won the FA Cup under Van Gaal. Then, you know, we won the Europa League under Mourinho. And Mourinho even said it himself, us finishing second that season is his greatest achievement as a manager. And that's somebody who has won titles with pretty much most clubs, mm -hmm. <laughs> big clubs in, in, the, in Europe. So I think that that has also played a part in it. I think having a manager like under Oli, I don't know what his philosophy is. I don't know what the system is that he's trying to play. So I can imagine it, it could be frustrating for players like Pogba, where he feels like he's coming as a 100 million sign-in, 300k a week, and he has to turn things around by himself. In hindsight, you could you still have to buy Pogba, but instead of playing 100 million euros, what would you have paid for Paul Pogba? What do you think he's been worth in his time at United? I, in his worth at United, I'd say he's, he's a sixth. 60 million. 60 yeah. Million. If it... 60 to 70. If Fred can go for 50 million, then probably... <laughs> I mean, that's a fair point. Yeah. Very valid. Yeah. Has there been one uh, one moment you've hated about Pogba and one thing you've loved about Pogba before you go? Oh, one moment that I've hated about Pogba, I would say probably the 2019 season against Barcelona in the Champions League, where he just looked like he he looked like he was off from first kickoff of the game, maybe because he knew that we were up against a better team. He probably felt like we had no no hope in winning that. But my biggest highlight is probably going to Stamford Bridge in, in that same season as well and winning and he scored the diving header, which yeah. is sad because a, a player of Pogba's calibre, I, I want to say things like winning the Premier League, winning the Champions League. But here I am, you know, saying, oh, scoring against Chelsea. Scored a diving header against Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> that, just, that just gave you podcast ammunition as well. Like that's all you were yeah, delighted for at that time. It really is. It just really is. But... Giving you an agenda. Um, <laughs> One last thing before you go. If you were Pogba now, where would you go? If I was Pogba now, I would wait to see how the summer pans out. But I think I think I would go I would go to Real Madrid. I think he'd be best suited for Real Madrid to play under Zidane. And if Real Madrid end up landing, you know, the players that they're hoping to land next summer and Mbappe, I think I think I would go, I would go there. I wouldn't go back to Juventus. Okay. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Bea. Thank Absolute you guys pleasure so much. As ever. You can find me on Twitter at Minashoots if you want to see me spewing a lot more Pogba agendas until the end of the season. You can follow our podcast, Gold Diggers Podcast. So it's at Gold Diggers UK. Twitter, 
YouTube, all other other platforms and have a listen. We go live every Sunday so you can catch episodes every Sunday after the Premier League and Champions League shows every Thursday evening. Recommended as well. Cracks me up. It's uh, uh, you know, <laughs> there's, some all time in that room. There's, there's some proper passion when they get going. <laughs> <laughs> Minna, thank you so much. Thank Pleasure you guys as always. me. Well, thank you so much to Minna from Gold Diggers podcast there. Obviously, do go and check them out. It's um, it's an incredibly entertaining listen, an incredibly informative one as well. So much passion, as Dean says, in that room every time. Right after the break, we're going to be looking at those destinations for Paul Pogba. Will Minna's Real Madrid come top of Sam's list? Don't go anywhere if you want to find out. Welcome back to Ranks FC, where it's time to take a look at the feasible destinations for Paul Pogba after his agent, Mina Raiola, said that he would be leaving Man United, basically. Dean, I'm going to come to you first for a bit of a framework on this. You know, what are the logistics? How does this work? Who can afford Paul Pogba? How many clubs could legitimately take him next summer? What's the cost going to be, et cetera, et cetera? Over to you. First things first, Man United are not happy about this. Um, the news from Raiola broke shortly after Ole Gunnar Solskjaer had given his press conference ahead of the Leipzig game, which obviously is a very important one for them. Um, they have been sick of the whole pantomime around Pogba for a couple of years now. Uh, Solskjaer, for the past year, to be honest, has started to try and look beyond Pogba as a United player. Um, the board, obviously, have still looked to increase his contract and extend it because you want to keep his value up. Pogba just decided this time around that there's no point in extending his contract. This deal is just not working for anybody. So we're now in a situation where, you know, he's going to be leaving and you've got to figure out what his worth is. Well, Man United basically are going to want their money back. They paid 89 million pounds for Pogba and they want to get as close to that figure as possible. Um, of course, that's going to be really difficult because we are in a time when very few people are spending money, particularly in January. I mean, I'll be amazed if he can get this, this move in the next month. Um, but, you know, there, there aren't many clubs out there that are capable of signing Pogba. There's a handful, literally, that can be included in this conversation. And beyond the actual transfer fee, you've got to consider that Pogba's on a basic wage of £300,000 a week. Uh, Raiola's going to take a huge agent's cut for however many million. All got to be factored in here. All got to be factored in. Um, there are probably only three clubs, realistically, that he's going to end up at. But Sam's, I know, put together a ranking. Um, and we'll see as we go through what we think is, is reasonable and possible uh, for Pogba, who, let's face it, must be desperate now to just get a different shirt on. Yeah, uh, Sam, and that takes it quite nicely onto your ranking. I mean, I guess we can guess what these three clubs are, to be honest. You look at the pulling power and the spend and all of these things, and you think about the three clubs that could probably justify putting Paul Pogba on the books. And and I imagine that will factor into this ranking. But over to you, and let's let's take a look at it and maybe chuck a couple of wild cards in there as well. Yeah, I've actually I've actually done the top five. So if yeah, you want to consider the bottom, that's exactly what I wanted. I mean, if you you can consider the bottom two here as the wild cards, and and they are to be fair, because it number five. I mean, as Dean says, there's only a handful here that can afford the wages, the transfer fee, and honestly, at number five. Traditionally, these guys have been able to afford this player, but in the last year or so, cash has been pretty tight at PSG. Um, they are in at number five. Uh, I'm not in love with the idea, but he's French. He would be potentially a post Mbappe or Neymar splash if they were to sell either of these two players. And obviously they would be able to afford someone like Paul Pogba. I think um, he would liven up the midfield a little bit as well, because they do have quite a lot of, you know, worker bees uh, in there and they might need a queen bee to come in and, and, and give them some extra panache because PSG have become a bit workmanlike in parts. I don't hate that, but you know, sometimes you do need to excel and 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 excite the crowd, I guess, a little bit, and that's the PSG project. So there's an obvious link for Pogba and France and PSG and superstardom. But I'd say this is a pretty weak fifth option, and I would argue that no one really wants this to happen. But if you're consist constructing a, a list of five teams that can afford or, or 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 could could sign Paul Pogba, I think PSG have got to be in there because it is technically possible. Mm. I thought this would be one of the three, if I'm absolutely honest with you. Um, yeah. I, and I'd throw it to Dean to see if it is. Realistically, PSG are going to find it difficult to fund it soon because 
their priority has been for the new year to get Mbappe and Neymar on new contracts because they've been really hit by the financial situation around COVID. Um, the lack of fans and the lack of sales and merchandise and stuff has really hit them. And the word out the club is that they can't really make a significant signing. Of course, you have to rethink that when Pogba becomes available because he's French, he's brilliant, and he would really help you achieve what you want to achieve. But if he's going to arrive, Mbappe or Neymar will have to go. Like You can't have those three guys in the same team. You can't afford to do that. Um, I, think, I think it wouldn't be a bad move for Pogba, to be honest. How easy would he find it? How many goals would he score? How many assists would he get? He might actually be able to win the Champions League there. He's got more chance there than Man United, that's for sure. No, um, I know, but... The I'd probably have I'd it higher this... than five, I, but it, it probably won't happen. Um, so I understand why it's it's not one. Yeah, I put it fifth because I don't think... Uh, I didn't think it was possible unless they sold Mbappe or Neymar, which you've more or less just confirmed there. And I also put it fifth because this, like, there's no doubt about it. Like, Liga is a massive step down from the Premier League or or La Liga as the top two leagues. And this is probably not a move that Pogba, who obviously will still believe himself to be a truly top player, will want to move, will want to make. I don't think he'd want to go to Liga at this point. And I think that's why I put it a bit lower as well, because on his his list, PSG won't be in the top three, I don't think. That's it's an interesting one. I mean, obviously he's from Paris. You know, he's born in the eastern suburbs of Paris, which which makes this, I suppose, a little bit of a homecoming. If he was to do this, obviously he's never played for PSG or from their academy. He was in the Le Havre academy, and but I would imagine there would be an element of this that would be a returning World Cup winning hero to his home club and and his hometown team. There's a lot of poetry here, and 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 you know I'm a fan of poetry, but it's it's one of those things that. I know what you mean, but I, I was thinking about this and I'm thinking about everything in terms of midfield threes, right? This is how I'm, I'm, I'm trying to have to frame this because after what I said in the first part, that's that's where I can look at it. I, I don't think Paul Pogba can go to a team that, that plays with a 10 and, you know, is going to sit. And, and theoretically, PSG works in that regard. You could play a midfield three of, you know, Marquinhos and <laughs> Marquinhos and Verratti and Pogba. And he would have the the legs and the defensive shield and the solidity to allow him to express himself. And it has the freedom of an Mbappe, a Neymar, and whoever they choose to play through the middle, or if they play a Di Maria wide and Mbappe through the middle, et cetera, et cetera. But whoever that is, it allows Pogba the freedom of the park to to basically make his stamp on the on the way that they would play. And Yes, I completely agree with you on the the arguments about it being a step down, but I think there's more to this than me. I would have had them higher, Sam. I'm I'm not going to lie to you. Um, I think he should make this move when he's 31, not 27. Fair enough. That's uh, that's completely reasonable. Um, and with that, let, let's kick it onwards. Yeah, into number four, and I did have to talk myself into this one, boys. Um, but I actually think it does make some sense on some level. And I guess what's important here is the key that if I thought Ligue 1 was too much of a step down, then for me, if I'm Pogba, I'm wanting to stay relevant in the, first, in the, in the top two or three leagues here. And at number four, I have actually put Chelsea. And they are stacked for midfielders who can play as a number eight. So that is a concern. But if they decided that they wanted Pogba, it wouldn't actually take that much rejigging to just make this work. If you sold like Kovacic and Barkley you probably get like 70 million quid. That is most of a Pogba fee if they're looking to make their 89 million pounds back. You've got the obvious plus of repairing him with N'Golo Kante, which was the World Cup winning combo. And if you're looking to recreate that World Cup form, that might be a good start. So Pogba gets to stay in a top league. It's a new lease of life. I don't think it's a really obvious fit. It's not the one that came that, that, that sort of let out at me initially when I was making this list, but it's one that as I thought about it, I thought, yeah, you'd have to do a bit of legwork here to make this work. But if Chelsea wanted Pogba, they didn't, they wouldn't have to do, they just have to sell Barkley and Kovacic to, to enter him into this rotation. Obviously they'd sign him and put him on the bench because Mason Mount has to start every game. But if they wanted to, if they wanted to make this happen, it, this could happen. I imagine it's not going to happen, Dean. The thing with Chelsea is if they see an opportunity in the market and they feel it's too good to turn down, they're going to go for it. We've seen them do it. Um, you know, the signings of Havertz and Werner and Thiago Silva proved that while Chelsea have do have clear long-term plans, when a big player becomes available, they'll sound it out because they'll want to know what the figures are involved. And if nobody else is going for him at that moment in time and they can get him at a reasonable fee, 
I don't think it's beyond question. I'm not saying it's likely, but I do like the idea of Pogba going to another Premier League club, I have to say. Can you imagine if he joined Chelsea and they found a good position for him and he had it, you know, at the time of his life there? It's not unreasonable. Look, Frank Lampard, midfielder himself, he'll know how to get a tune out of Paul Pogba. You know, better than Solskjaer will, better than probably Mourinho will. I just, I don't think it's the worst shout in the world. If you're looking for a left field one, um, it's difficult to see it happen in January, obviously, because of how much money they've just spent in the summer. But I also don't know how Pogba's going to get a move in January anyway, because of everything that's going to be involved in this. But I think it's a really interesting idea that, that Pogba could stay in the Premier League and, and Chelsea would seem to be the only place that could happen. Yeah, I think if he is going to stay, this seems like the only destination that, that would make sense. Um, but there is, I, I do like this, Sam, because we've seen Chelsea play with this kind of twin eights thing, you know, in 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 Mount and Havertz ahead of, a, of Kante or whoever it has been. And it does seem to be working for two players who, who like to have, you know, their attacking freedom and, and don't necessarily need to, especially in Kai Havertz, doesn't necessarily need to be to be working too hard defensively. Pogba would probably take on the rotator of that role, right? Although having Havertz at 75 million and Pogba at what you'd imagine is close to 90 million uh, on a rotation for a number eight spot seems a little bit extreme, uh, given, the, given what you're doing. But... <laughs> It could work. I, I like it as a theory. I, I just don't think it's going to happen in practice. I mean, me too. That's why it's fourth. Um, but yeah, it's it does. It, it could work if you made it work. And that's the point because, and, and also Chelsea are one of the about eight clubs that can actually afford to do this. So it's a limited ranking, but I'll go into number three. Um, and this one may surprise you, but I'm going to go for Inter Milan. And um if you are a Premier League footballer who is tired of their current surroundings, <laughs> needing a fresh challenge after years of hypercynicism and idiotic trolling, well, we have the solution for you. Antonio Conte is fighting for a Serie A title with the mighty Inter Milan and is always on the lookout for ex-Premier League players that most believe to be past their best. He'll get into you. He'll transform you. And you can join his crusade as they aim to topple a Juventus dynasty. Call 0800-123-CONTE for more details. Please note, over 35s only, those special applications like Pogba's will be considered. Not guaranteed to solve any of your current issues. In cases like Christian Eriksen's, it could actually make things worse. No refunds. Check the terms and conditions thoroughly before applying. Um, unbelievable. I mean, num number two, I guess. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah, Obviously, yeah. a man who, as we said in the first part, got a massive tune out of Pogba in his Juventus days. The question is, would Pogba abandon those Juventus allegiances to, to relink up with Conte, Dean? I mean, Inter like spending money when they get the chance. I, I think that they are one of the few clubs with the financial backing to actually be able to do this in this climate. I think we're entering a time when they're trying to offload a few other players anyway. You know, Ericsson's going to be gone. Lautaro and Martinez will probably be going in the summer. They're going to be opening up spots and looking to to reframe the team. And it's definitely not likely, but, you know, it, it would be an interesting one. I, <laughs> I, I could see, you know, as a talking point, there are, there are plenty of reasons to think Pogba could do well there. But of course, if you were going to say he's going to Serie A, it's not it's not the club you would choose. I like it. I, I like the idea of him linking up with Lukaku again. Yeah, I like yeah. the fact that he would be in a Conte midfield three, which would suit him down to the ground, you know, with players around him who will run themselves to death for him. Uh, there's a lot about this on paper that I like. Um, crossing the Derby d'Italia divide is not lightly done, although obviously... <laughs> seen that Antonio, Antonio Conte has done it and if anyone is going to convince Paul Pogba to make that step you'd imagine it's the man who who made him sing at Juventus right you, you'd think yeah. that he would become uh what the kind of fulcrum of their their attacking point of midfield and they would allow him to to just sort of stroll about and have have that kind of effect on games that he did I, I mean I, I can't stress enough how much I like this as a concept I just I just don't know. Yeah, of course, I get that. But uh, not only Conte here uh, as a key factor, but also the sporting director over at Inter, who used to be at Juventus, Beppe Marotta. Yeah. So Marotta is obviously has will have previous with Pogba in that he would have dealt with him back in 2013-14 with Juve. So does Conte. Together, 
during the 2013-14 season, which was Conte's last at Juve, Pogba was a key man. He made more than 50 appearances. He really, really broke out under Conte. And yes, he was very good under Allegri for a spell afterwards as well. But like, this was like this was Conte, this was Conte's breakout start. This is his golden boy, and you've got a very, very good sporting director here in Beppe Marotta who could probably pull the strings necessary to do this. And you've got a club who could probably find the money. So you are right; it is a hell of a divide to cross. But this could, like, this is feasible. It would work. You would have Brozovic and Barella just, as you said, running themselves into the ground to make this work. Like, it actually kind of fits. It's, it's still a long shot. But it fits on every level that I can I can find, especially like you say, Dean, with those players that that might be on the move. You know, if if Lautaro is going to leave Inter, they're going to be looking for a hundred million plus. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, if Lautaro leaves, they're going to need to bring in a striker as well, or at least someone to play a foil off Lukaku. So there is going to be that amount for money. But you know, we're looking at a, a team who who have the financial clout to do this. The more I think about it, the more I like it. Although that is going to wind up Juventistas everywhere, I would imagine. Uh, And with that, Sam, should we move to number two? Sure, it's Juventus. (laughs) 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 I mean, this one's a bit shorter and sweeter. This one, it feels like Pogba really wants. Um, He'll definitely have a tie to Juve. Uh, His best ever football that he's played at club level has been at Juve. Uh, He's had success there. He's won trophies there. And, you know, going to work for Pirlo as a midfielder, we've already seen pretty much every midfielder at Juventus talk about how impressive it is and how amazing it is to work under someone like Andrea Pirlo. Pirlo will absolutely get Pogba. uh, And having a manager who gets you is obviously half the battle. Look, Juve have got a lot of centre mids here. They've got Artur, they've got Rabiot, they've got McKennie, they've got Bentancourt, they've got Ramsey. And maybe they've got some, some financial maneuverability there to try and make this happen and he's centre mid isn't they're not crying out for a centre mid but at the same time like you could drop him into this midfield they need to field a third midfielder for a start because Pirlo's often using a, a two-man midfield at the moment he's the kind of player that you change your you change your your strategy for you could put him just ahead of Benton Kerr with Weston McKenney doing that legwork for you and it could work and Pogba's long passing which is something we haven't touched on probably enough in this episode which is one of the best in the game into Maratta running the shoulder of the defence and stretching the pitch. Guys, it, it does, it works. They've obviously got the budget. Actually, maybe Ronaldo's stolen the budget, but they should have the budget. They've got the prestige. They've got that historical tie. They've got that emotional tug on him. They obviously compete in the right areas. And yeah, they could make a few adjustments and they could make this work. Yeah. Mm. Dean, this seems, if not the most likely, then definitely one of two. I'd say it's the most likely um, because the... There are just so many reasons for this to happen, but two key ones, you know, Pogba would feel comfortable going into that environment and knows that he can thrive in in Serie A in a side like that. And secondly, they could afford him and the club love him. If if Pogba went back to Juventus, he would be adored beyond what anything Cristiano Ronaldo gets at the club. Like, his shirts would outsell Ronaldo. They, they would love him to come back. There's absolutely no doubt about it. They've been wanting this for a while. Juventus tried to get Pogba a year ago. Um, there was a 100 million euro price tag on, tag on Pogba then, and it, it just didn't materialise. But, but Juventus were in for him, and they'll always be interested in whether it can become possible. I'd say the biggest issue is that they already have 400 central midfielders. Um, <laughs> Artur, Bentancur, Rabio, Ramsey, McKenney, Kadira. There's, there's a lot of players already in that area. A lot of, of bodies. But look, here's something we haven't spoken about yet. You know, the idea of cash plus player to help Man United tra- transition away from this could be something. And don't forget Man United have always wanted Aaron Ramsey. Um, I mm. don't think that it's completely out of the question that United might be proposed something like that for Pogba from a lot of clubs, to be honest. I think, you know, one of the first things all of these clubs look at if they try and sign Pogba is, okay, where are United weak right now? What might they be looking for? What can we offer them that we don't necessarily need from our squad? It's a way that they can release some of the funds from their current wage bill. Um, It's a way to ease the burden of a, a big squad. And it's a way to get Man United to just go ahead with the deal and feel that they can transition away from Pogba. So there are a couple of players in there, you know, there, there are a couple, you know, Rabiot, I don't know if they would let go, but United were interested in Rabiot as well. 
Um, yeah, just what United need, by the way, in Ramsey, another yeah, uh, attacking, yeah, attacking, really, really eight, attacking eight, eight slash number. Well, you can 10. see it happening, can't you? That's exactly why you see it happening because they don't know what they want. Um, it's a strange one, isn't it? I, I mean, the links today, Dean, have been all about Paulo Dybala. Uh, that that's the one that that has taken the headlines as ever, right? As ever, there's always these links with with United and Dybala, and there's always this chat that Dybala could solve the issues. I don't, again, I'm not quite sure this is exactly what United need, but there's no doubt that Paolo Dybala is world-class on his day and, and, and able to influence games and, and maybe would be an, ex- and, and, well, no, no, maybe about it. It would be an incredibly exciting pre- signing for the Premier League full stop. Mm. Yeah, I've actually written about this. It hasn't gone out yet, um, but I've written for Eurosport about, about Dybala. Um, probably be released in a couple of hours, actually. But um, they, Dybala, I didn't take this very seriously at, at the start about Dybala's future at Juve, and I... I just always presume players like this end up staying. But I'm not sure about Dybala. I have to say, I do think we're entering a time when he might leave. Um, that, that is the growing feeling that he actually might leave now. And they're not, there's no talks over an extension to his contract. So that suggests that with 18 months left on his contract, maybe Juve are starting to think beyond life with Dybala. And if he's going to move to Man United then there's the potential, obviously, that it could be a swap deal because it helps them. It helps both clubs. I don't know, man. I I, I don't know. I I don't know if Dybala's the answer. I mean, United will probably put Anthony Martial up for sale in the summer, but is Dybala a a replacement for Martial? Is he that central person that you want to solve the problems? Don't worry about that right now, Dino. Just think of it from Juve's perspective. They're coming up to this 18-month juncture on 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 Dybala, and we had the question from a patron, you know, last week about, you know, he wants his wages doubled, apparently, according to some reports, and they're in an awkward position because he doesn't really deserve 15 million euros a year. Um, but they are going to have to give him something or risk losing him for free or getting into the last year of his deal. If they get to that point and the solution is, we'll just swap you for Pogba, it's such a massive PR win. Like it is. you avoid such a massively difficult and awkward situation with Dybala if you can swap him for Pogba. Yeah. Look, United fans would be overjoyed, I think, to get Dybala through the door. Probably his wages are probably still less than Pogba's anyway, so the wage bill will still be going down, even if they mm. double his wages. I just think that don't forget Tottenham were also into Dybala, so I think they'll be in that conversation. Um, but yeah, Dybala at Man United is certainly something that's going to crop up a few times, that's for sure. Okay, and Sam leads us quite nicely on to Numero Uno, right? Yeah, final one. It's Real Madrid. Um, I could have I could have flipped Real Madrid and Juve, to be fair, but these two feel like the, the, the very realistic destinations. Um, I know that Dean has sort of simultaneously said over the last couple of months that they have been struggling for cash, but they've also they've also got this Mbappe pot. Um, but you know, the the clear plan from well, from what Dean tells us is that they do like this idea of this kind of French revolution to an extent, and this. You know, this uh, Zidane, Pogba, Mbappe, Triumvirate, it, it feels right, which is why I ended up putting it at number one. And, you know, Madrid aren't like really, really needy at centre mid, but Modric is 35, Kroos turns 31 next month. And, you know, this Real Madrid team, look, they're, they're still, they're obviously not doing so, so well at the moment. Um, but they won La Liga last year and they are a formidable outfit. But they're a formidable outfit in a way that we're perhaps not used to. They're very workmanlike, very aggressive, um, very Casemiro-led rather than very sort of Isco-led, which is the team that obviously won them the Champions League titles. And yeah, I just kind of, the way the way I see Real Madrid in my head is that they have someone like Pogba in midfield rather than someone like Valverde, who's brilliant, but they're just very, very different. Now, when we always talk about this, who does the running to make sure Pogba can shine? Well, Valverde is the guy that does the running. This does They do actually have the utensils in place. Casemiro, Pogba, Valverde functions extremely well as a midfield trio. And Madrid obviously have the budget. They have the, the, the star attraction in terms of a manager and the star attraction in terms of a name. They are the Galacticos. And Pogba feels like a Galactico. He feels like uh, a luxury player. And I say that in a, in a nice way. So... This one I put I put at number one, perhaps because we always talk about it, but also because if it feels right, put it at number one. And Real Madrid, Pogba, Zidane, it feels right. The whole yeah. thing feels like a like a kind of dream from the early two thousands, doesn't it? But yeah. it is not quite. Um, I think I would have had it behind Juventus, Sam. But I'm interested to get Dean's thoughts. I mean, the reason this can be number one is this is where Pogba wants to end up. If he could pick today. Where do you want to play next? He would say Real Madrid. Um, he's always wanted to be on that stage. He feels that 
being a Galactico is where he should be. He feels he should be a Galactico. He's a big enough player. He feels he could thrive in that arena. But he even said it a couple of months ago himself in an interview. He said, of course, every footballer would love to play for Real Madrid and would dream about that. It's a dream of mine. So why not one day? I mean, we're only two months down the line. Pogba's still thinking that. Mm. Um, I wrote a story about it yesterday for Eurosport and spoke to somebody you know, on the back of what Raiola said. I said, a couple of people, what do, what do you see happening here? And they basically said his agents will explore the possibility of going to Real Madrid before anything else can happen. They need to find out if there is any possibility of that move coming through. And only once they've had those conversations and found out, yes, we are interested. No, we're not. Will they then go, OK, let's go to Juventus and talk to them? Let's see. I mean, Zidane obviously wants Pogba. He said it the day he came through the door. He was asked, you know, what do you want? You know, what's your dream signing? And Pogba was the man that he wanted. But Madrid's vision is that they bring in Mbappe and Camavinga. Pogba's always been a bonus in that puzzle. Like if they were to get three players, then that's the three. But if there's one that they're like, it's Pogba. Because the other two have got the longevity. They've got the way they can be shaped easier. They can be moulded into Real Madrid players. Pogba's already a star. Um, So you're going to be paying everything that comes around that. I know Mbappe's a star too, but he's like 21 Pogba's about to turn 28. So I think this can be number one, yeah, because Pogba wants to know if it's going to happen. And in the next couple of weeks, he's going to find out if it's possible. People at Real Madrid and who cover Real Madrid don't think it will be possible. They don't think that Real Madrid will be able to, to make this transfer happen in January for him like he wants. Um, so that's a completely different um, scenario. But let's see. I mean, the fact that they want to explore this and that Pogba wants to go there is enough reason to make it a talking point. I think there's something quite interesting about the kind of overwhelming power of super agents, right? And and you look at Raiola and, and George Mendes to a, to a similar extent. Their clients aren't as much at Real Madrid and Barcelona as you maybe might think. There's yeah. not actually a huge amount of the super agent clients at, you know, El Clasico. And, and, and that is interesting in a regard because it does suggest that there is some reticence to do business with with super agents and and look you can see why this week you know after after and we spoke about in the first part of the show but after Solskjaer gave that press conference there was all this kind of pre-game positivity about the Leipzig game after another comeback win and Man United in the top five of the Premier League and sudden to bounce up and and suddenly it's all gone. And that's all because of an agent. And you can understand why people don't want to work with Raiola. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. I mean, super agents as a, as a term, like if you put Mendes into that, there was a time not that long ago that Real Madrid was like half Portuguese. It was, it was, it was like Fabio Quintral, Pepe, Ronaldo. It was a pretty strong Mendes feel to that team. Yeah. Um, but Raiola is a separate, a separate issue. And Man United have always had an issue, haven't they, with, with Raiola. Ferguson, Dean, hated dealing with Raiola. Yeah. And they kind of relented on that post-Ferguson. And they may have come to the same conclusion that Ferguson did but about eight years later. Raiola just doesn't care. That's, that's the thing here. And, you know, you can say, well, it's not Pogba's fault. His agent's talking like this. Well, you can. You can blame Pogba a bit for that because he's got a mouth. He can talk. He manages to talk about Real Madrid while he's on international duty in October. So why can't he set the record straight now ahead of this Leipzig game I mean I know by the time this goes out that game's done and we'll, we'll know like how this all played out but he's got a voice he's got social media accounts he can say things for himself he says it when he sees stories he doesn't like he's very quick to jump on it so when something like this arises come on let's hear from you it does frustrate me that maybe that's something I hate about Pogba and players like him that they'll talk out loud when it suits them um when they want to be seen in a good light they're very quick onto it. When there's a story like this, you don't hear from them. And I'm sorry, but Pogba does owe Man United fans something here. You know, they have been the club that paid him all this money. They have been the club, the, the fans that have been forced to watch these performances that, let's face it, a lot of the time haven't been quite up to scratch. Right? You know, whether that's his fault or not, whether it's the managers, doesn't matter. Like, he's their player. And I just think that fans do deserve to, to hear the the player's side of the story. I, I do hope that Pogba speaks out soon. They also get to choose their own agents. <laughs> it's like yeah. they can, he can choose to not be represented by Minoriola if Minoriola like drills through this, this like this, this ice lake of positivity every time something comes up. Like it's, 
you you can actually just like pick someone else. Um, that's it's it. Not, and you have to presume not... that Pogba's got the same opinion. If he's if he's saying that, you just have to presume. Well, he's cleared this with Pogba. It's fine. Yeah, I mean, there is comes a point where you'd have to start asking at what point does a, an agent start stop working for a player and a player start working for an agent, right? And, yeah. and, and, and it seems like we've got to that point. And, and that's, I suppose, why it's come to this and why we're discussing the next moves for Paul Pogba. Uh, and that's about it for this section. So after the break, we're going to be talking melons and, of course, the gibberish ranking. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> Fair play and fair value. It's what playing at William Hill is all about. William Hill. It's who you play with. Gamble responsibly. Welcome back to Ranks FC, where we are going to shut the Pogba discussion down for now because it's time for Melon of the Week, then. It's time for Melon of the Week. This week's Melon of the Week is, yet again, Hector Bellerin. Hector mm. Bellerin. Oh, my days. Oh, my days. What's wrong with him? Now, anyone that listens to Patreon knows I've already got into this in a little bit on Monday, but I can't leave it there. There's too many people that haven't heard this. Hector Bellerin, it's now five foul throws this season. Five. Most people don't do that in a lifetime. They I have more done, foul I've... throws than Arsenal have scored in the last month. I know. Have you ever done a foul throw? Yeah. Have you ever yeah. pulled up for a foul throw? Yeah, I have. I haven't, no. I haven't. I have. How many I times? Have. Once? Once, yeah. Yeah, that's you do, fine. You do it once, you learn how that's to fine. do it. That's fine. You were probably hung over. Now, oh my God. I just can't believe he's done it again. He still doesn't know what he's doing wrong either. So against Tottenham, he like, he's, he's on the right flank, obviously, like towards the Tottenham box. And he starts to get a bit frustrated at like his teammates not showing him good options couple of like hand gestures like he's, he's getting a bit frustrated and then he doesn't put the ball fully over his head throws the ball straight into the ground it bounces like well before it gets to Lacazette and the ref's like foul throw and like Bellerin's waving his arms around what what he's like you threw it down into the ground you cannot do that I would well, caveat I... this with this is a dumb rule. Yeah, we talked about it on Monday a little bit, but the throwing rule is actually really stupid. But it's there, so yeah. abide by it. It's yeah. not that hard to get around. Like, no. you just can't throw the ball directly down at the ground like he, he's doing. And, you know, I've there's some hilarious reactions to it. Um, one guy, Tim Steelman, says, every time Hector Bellerin makes a foul throw from now on, I'm cutting down a tree. Um, <laughs> <laughs> somebody said, uh, Ali Campbell, let's take a moment to appreciate Hector Bellerin fashionable, socially conscious, uh, routinely caught out of position, can't take a throw in, but good hair. Um, if Bellerin planted a thousand trees for every foul throw and he took, deforestation wouldn't be a thing. I mean, look. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look Hector Bellerin is a good guy with a great a social conscious and, and I don't want to give him awards, but learn how to take a throw in. This is the most melanish thing I've ever seen in football. Like, And as a right back, You've had plenty of practice because you guys are the ones that take it. Right backs and left backs have to take throw-ins. You've been doing it for 20-odd years, probably, since the first game you played when you were, what, five years old. You had to take a throw-in, probably did it fine. Dylan is two years old. He took a throw-in the other day at the park, and it was totally fine. It was legit. Oh, Hector Bellerin, come on, man. I think, I presume he will now be dropped because this cannot continue. There was some, I think we had, we had a, a reply yesterday um, from Red and Blue Army who said Serge Aurier did three at Selhurst Park in one game in 2018. Should be an automatic substitution. I disagree. I think it should be a red card. It's sent off. Three foul throws in a game, like an automatic yeah. red card, is absolutely unacceptable. Uh, Serge Aurier, that... I kind of accept it. Um, no, no, they're all right. All these, they're all right. Guys, these, they're, no, they're all right things. backs. They're all they're right, all right these... backs. If this was like, oh, striker takes a quick throw because he's trying to get trying trying to eject some momentum into the play, fine, whatever. Like they don't really take throw-ins, but come on, guys, right backs. This is literally part of your job. Oh, I hope you I literally hope had I one job ever again. I hope this is it. Hope this is the end. Um, but it's, it's so funny though because I didn't actually see that one live, and suddenly on my tweet, I kept getting loads of tweets through at the same time. <laughs> People are just <laughs> tweeting me as soon as Bellerin does a felt throw. <laughs> Yeah, Anymore, we're going to have to have actual words. We're going to have to ring him up and be like, As right, we said Hector. before, um, we're going to get some access to Bellerin and see if he can throw a melon. How we? long he can, th- how far he can throw a melon, I think. <laughs> and that would be the, the ultimate test of how this works. Yeah. Um, 
That wasn't enough nonsense for you. That's the gibberish alarm. And Sam, power in your hands. Yeah, I, so usually this is a ranking. And this is, this is kind of a ranking, but it's mostly just a bit of a chat. Because, you know, a couple of weeks ago, well, a week ago or so, start of December, Spotify roll out their, um, here's what you listen to this year. Here is your year wrapped. And I looked at mine and I started the little slideshow they put on with great optimism that I had been a good studious music listener. And uh, I'd listened to some really cool, interesting people. I ended the slideshow just thoroughly demoralized. And I did tweet at the time that I was too embarrassed to, to show everyone my Spotify raps. But a couple of people suggested that it should be talked about on the podcast. So I'm going to bear my soul to you and, and tell you why I was embarrassed. Fantastic. Let's go. So when the, slide shows, the, when the slide show starts, it's obviously there's music over the back of every single little slide. And the slideshow opened with Travis Scott in the background. I thought, okay. Okay, we've done something right here. And it gives you your top genre. It says rap. Like, okay, okay, still on the right track. The soundtrack to the second side was Juice World. All right, cool. That was my top listened to artist last year. And I really liked Juice World. So fair enough. And then it goes, your top artist was Drake. I went, what? Drake? What? Really? I know he's popular, but I didn't think I'd be ended up listening to it. And his song of the year, Toosie Slide. <laughs> what? <laughs> And it says I've listened to that thing over 60 times. I what? Thought, I don't even like that song. So I, I don't even, I don't actually know what's happening. So it's obviously fed into each other. The top song is by Drake. So the top artist is naturally probably going to be Drake. And yeah, obviously there's a couple of really good, like More Life is an incredible uh, album, but like 2C Slide was my top song of the year. Yeah, that is I'm, embarrassing. It's so bad. I've got only, I only suggest to you boys that I've accidentally hit the repeat button on Spotify, like left the phone in the bathroom or something. I don't know what it was. I promise you, I was not consciously doing this. But my top five artists were Drake at top, which is sad. Juice World at second, fine. Above and Beyond at three. The Weekend at four, probably courtesy of that great album he released earlier in the summer. And it was locked down. So all I did was listen to it in the garden. And number five, just to really mix the bag was Linkin Park, because I had a bit of a, um, a wobble um, in July. <laughs> <laughs> a, wobble, a wobble was the only way to describe that as well. Linkin Park, <laughs> Park you're all right. I mean, I, um, Linkin Park are good, to be fair. I, I absolutely, I loved them as a kid. And sometimes you just go through those like nostalgic rabbit holes mm-hmm. and then you end up listening to that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. But Two Suicide was the top song. And then the second top song was Bella Ciao, the Italian song from Money Heist. Uh, to be fair, that's an amazing song. And it's also and it's, like the anti-fascist anthem, isn't it? It's, it's a banger. And I know why it's been listened to so much is because I insisted on learning the words and it's in Italian. So I had to play it a lot to listen to it, to look at the lyrics. Um, and in at number three, just to save me a little bit, is Coming Home by Pusha T and Lauren Hill, which is unreal. Yeah. I had a, a bit of a weird one with mine as well, because mine is always like kind of similar. There's always like a, you know, my, my top artist is always the manner. Like it, it doesn't matter with, with how we go with this. That's how it, it, it just works, right? It's a, it's a thing that we've been doing for, for a couple of years. And, um, but the problem with all mine this year is that all of the things are normal. Like my, my top song was, was Slang Zucksbridge Road, which is about the road that has been basically the, the you know, fulcrum of my childhood and, and all of these things. It's the road that permeates West London. For those of you who don't know it, it's basically where everything is off the Uxbridge Road. You can get to pretty much anywhere from the Uxbridge Road. And the fact that they wrote a song about this, I was over the moon, had a great time. Slang is from just down the road from me. I was having a good time. All of it is permeated by the fact that the Hamilton soundtrack keeps popping up everywhere. <laughs> so I couldn't release anything because out of nowhere, the Hamilton soundtrack is just sort of third on my top songs, third on my top artists, third on my top albums. And it's like, ah, I have listened to the Hamilton soundtrack a lot, but it's actually a bit embarrassing because I made a point because I haven't seen Hamilton in the theatres yet that I don't want to listen to the whole thing. So I've only ever listened to the first half of the Hamilton soundtrack because I'm like obviously it'll be too much to go through the break because I don't want to know what happens in the whole thing before I go and see it so I've listened to the first half to death and I can nearly do know it did it word for word but I've never never transcribed into the second half of the Hamilton album and and that is a weird 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 maneuver yeah 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 so you're like me couldn't release the images yeah, I could only release like this is your top song. So I was like, okay, that's fine. So you didn't even yeah. have that. I, I could put, throw that up, put slang in there, put the manner on my top artist. That bit was fine. It was just the fact that every list had Hamilton smack bang in the middle of it. And I was like, ooh, no. Probably well, can't my, be releasing that. My Spotify, you haven't got kids. So wait till that happens. <laughs> my number three top artist of the year was Daniel Tiger, <laughs> who, is, who is a f- fictional character 
every day Daniel puts on his red sweater, ties his shoes and invites a new generation of preschoolers into the neighbourhood of make-believe. <laughs> oh, no. That, that, sounds cl- that sounds class, to be fair. He, I might he, start listening. He, he just got in there behind Cortinas and the BMAs. Yeah, <laughs> one, one of my one of my best mates uh, showed me his, and he's also got uh, two two young children, two young daughters, and the number two artist was Edina Menzel. Uh, <laughs> so for those of you who don't know, it's uh, Elsa from Frozen. <laughs> yeah. I think they had a Frozen phase that lasted all year. Yeah, who isn't, who isn't having that. a Frozen phase? To be honest, yeah. I mean, you got you got to give credit where credit is due. Incredible, Crazy. incredible film, incredible filmography. And talking of incredible filmography, Tam's cat is just roaming around the background of his shot. It's absolutely amazing. Tam's cat's been everywhere on this. Podcast. Yeah, he's walked across the front. He's walked across the back. He's um, more energy than Pogba does in ninety minutes. <laughs> and on that bombshell, we're going to call this a day. And uh, thank you first to Minna from the Gold Diggers podcast for giving us her thoughts on United and Pogba. And all that's left for me to do is say thank you very much, Sam Tai. Thank you. Thank you very much to Dean Jones. Cheers, mate. I've been Jack Collins. This has been Branks FC. Please keep sharing and subscribing with your friends and making sure that they're locked into the podcast. We are growing every week. And obviously, all ratings and reviews really, really help us out. We appreciate you so much, Rank Squad, and we'll see you soon. Take care now. Peace. Fair play and fair value. It's what playing at William Hill is all about. William Hill. It's who you play with. Gamble responsibly. 